Welcome back to the H2 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Halpin, and I'm not with my dad again this week. I'm really sorry if he was your favorite host on this podcast, but I have another interview to bring for you guys this week, and I don't know if you can tell, but I really, really like interviewing people. It's something that I've loved to do in yearbook and other things that I've gotten to do, so that's why I'm doing so many interviews. But this week, we have uh, Kendall Smith. She is a student at the University of South Carolina, and I was a freshman when she was a senior in high school, and we had theater together. We'll talk about that later. You'll listen to that. But we talked about her career, what she's done, and I'm so, so, so thankful that she took time out of her very, very busy schedule that she has right now to talk with me. She is someone I've looked up to in terms of broadcast journalism for the past couple years as I've been in high school. I've gotten to listen to her PA for basketball and baseball, and she's just so great. So here's Kendall Smith. Lovely. All right, so for people who don't know, who aren't from this area and didn't really go to Weddington, explain who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So my name is Kendall Smith. I am a rising sophomore at the University of South Carolina, and I am a broadcast journalist. I have a concentration in sports at the University of South Carolina. So that is where I spend most of my time broadcasting for sports, writing for sports, covering sports in general. But I also focus on news a little bit as well. So I am just a college student who is pursuing a career in broadcasting, and I have been fortunate to have some amazing opportunities and experiences along the way so far. So what got you started in the world of broadcast journalism? Have you always known you wanted to do this? So since a very young age, I have known that I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. When I was really young, I would ask my parents to turn off the TV when they were watching the news, and I would get up in front of the fireplace, and I would give my own little news report because I wanted to be in what I thought was TV land. When I was young, I always perceived television and the people on TV to be in TV land. I thought it was so magical. So when I was little, I really, really liked it, but I didn't really know that it was a career that I could pursue. As I got older, I remember I was about 11 years old and I asked for an ESPN microphone set from Toys R Us. And I got it for my birthday and I could not put that microphone down. I loved it. So that was about the age where I found out like, hey, I can actually become a broadcast journalist for my career. So at about 12, I really knew. And then I started announcing for Weddington High School Baseball when I was a freshman in high school. And that is like where everything took off. So after that, you did you get your internship like right away or did it take you a couple of years to get that? So I started as a freshman and then I didn't get my first internship in broadcast journalism until I was a rising junior in high school. So I had just finished up my sophomore season with Weddington High School Baseball. And that summer I was announcing for the Union County American Legion baseball team. And that is when I got my internship. I was discovered at one of those games. Who have you looked up to in your career as a journalist, as a sideline reporter? Oh my gosh. Well, there are a couple of names that initially come to my mind. The first being Sage Steele. I have always loved Sage Steele. I love her presence on camera. I think she is so poised. She is so put together. So she is one that I have always looked up to. I love her work ethic and I love her story as well. She has such a unique story. I've listened to numerous podcasts that Sage Steele has been interviewed on and she is just such a fascinating woman. She is so inspiring. So I love her. Of 
course, Erin Andrews is another one. Everyone aspires to be Erin Andrews. She has paved the way for female broadcasters. Obviously, you know, you had broadcasters prior to Erin Andrews who were female, who did amazing things in terms of trailblazing for women in sports. But Erin Andrews is one of those who is right up there with the trailblazers. She has done so much. So I'm so thankful for her. And she is another one of my huge, huge inspirations. Another one, she is not as well known, but she is so phenomenal. Her name is Alyssa Lang, and she graduated from the University of South Carolina, and now she works for the SEC Network on ESPN, and she is amazing. I look up to her so much because she did go to South Carolina, so she is like a big inspiration of mine simply because she went to my school, so it really gives me like this perspective, excuse me, like, hey, if Alyssa Lang can do it, I can do it too. So those are my top three. So we saw each other the other day at a graduation party and we talked about how being you're a diehard Cubs fan and and I am a diehard Yankee fan but you work in the Chicago White Sox organization for the Charlotte Knights how do you avoid being biased at work and not getting to voice your love for the Cubs as much as you get to do when you're at your house Exactly. That is a great question, Abby. And I have worked covering the Charlotte Knights for the past couple of years. And I will say that everyone who works for the Charlotte Knights has been nothing but amazing to me. I am so thankful for the Knights. I'm thankful for the White Sox organization because having the opportunity to cover a team like the Charlotte Knights at 17, 18, 19 years old has been the most incredible thing in the world. So I am very thankful for that. Now, you did mention I am a huge Chicago Cubs fan. I love the Cubs. I've grown up loving the Cubs. I will never stop loving the Cubs, right? Like as broadcasters, we're told don't show your bias and and you shouldn't show your bias. You should absolutely go into any game scenario and you should not have any bias. But as humans, it's kind of hard not to. You have to push it down deep inside. So when I go work at a White Sox organization game for the Charlotte Knights, I have to remind myself like my profession comes first. And what I do professionally and how I cover this game is going to be remembered for years to come. So I need to make sure that I'm holding myself accountable for being responsible in terms of my bias. Now, it's hard at times, but I always just need to remember my professionalism comes first, my career comes first. And that's how I kind of stay away from maybe being biased towards the White Sox. And I will say, I know I'm a Cubs fan, but I don't hate the White Sox. Like, I don't know if that's a sin or something, but (laughs) I have family members who are White Sox fans. Like my family is pretty much split right down the middle. We've got Cubs on one side and White Sox on the other. So I don't hate the White Sox. So it's not like incredibly hard for me, but of course, I'm a huge Cubs fan, but I kind of keep that to the side when I'm working for the Knights right. because professionalism first. Do you plan on moving up in the White Sox organization, like covering for the professional team? Oh my gosh. Well, that would be amazing. I am not exactly sure what my plans are as of right now. If I had the opportunity to work for any MLB team, I would be so, so, so excited. That would be incredible. It doesn't matter to me which one. I love baseball, so I would love that. I'm not sure if I would move up in the White Sox organization. That is up to people who are far above me in terms of the totem pole, but if that were to happen one day, I would be very very happy about it speaking of baseball there have been lots of reports the last three weeks of a different proposal every day from either side do you think we're ever going to reach an agreement oh man that is a loaded question so 
If I had to answer that with a yes or no, I would say no. I'm not feeling very hopeful about reaching an agreement for the 2020 season. And I really hate to say that because you and I are both huge baseball fans. Like we want to see baseball back so, so, so badly. But I think right now there is so much tension and there are so many differing views and opinions for what should be done for the MLB this season. And I just don't know if those views and opinions that are so drastically different are going to be able to come together to create a deal in which everyone is happy, owners and players alike. It feels like there's a different plan every single day. Like there was one yesterday. There was one yesterday where I was like, oh my gosh, there's something moving forward. And then there was one today from the Players Association. It's like, I don't think we're ever going to get baseball this year. Every single day, you are exactly right. There's a new tweet out and it's like, you know, reports of a finalized plan. And I just, now I look at them and I'm like, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. When I first saw them, I was like, oh, heck yes. Like, that's absolutely right. Now I don't believe everything I see, right? None of them. So we talked about your future. Do you have like plans for after college of where you want to go and what you want to do? So I am just going to go where the wind takes me. I think a lot of times in life we plan and that's a great thing. I'm a planner by nature. I always want to plan what's coming next, but in a career like broadcasting, it is so hard to plan because journalism changes day by day. There's not one day in journalism that is the same. So if I had to come up with a tentative plan, I would love to graduate from college and just get a job working somewhere, right? You always have to start at the bottom of the totem pole and then work your way up. So I would love to get a job on air working. And then from there, I would love to move up in the industry. Obviously, I want to go into sports. So I hope that I'll be able to do something that involves sports. But if I go into news initially, that's okay, too. A lot of sports broadcasters do start in news and then they work their way up into broadcasting for sports. But my goal is to just get a job and then after that, work my way up. And I always tell everyone my end goal is to be on a national network. That is what I want to do, whether it's ESPN, whether it's Fox, I want to be on a national network. I would love to be a sideline reporter. Anchoring is super fun too, but I am just in love with the idea of sideline reporting. I've done it for the past couple of years now, and I think it's so fun. So my end goal is to be on a national network as a sideline reporter, but for now, I'm just going to take it day by day and work hard and see where the hard work gets me. So you, at the University of South Carolina, you work on the student-run news program. Is it like stressful live TV and PA? Like, how do you deal with that pressure? It can be very stressful. So I do sports for SGTV and then I also do news for SGTV. So they're very different, but they are equally as stressful when it comes to the amount of pressure. So I've learned over the years and through being on live TV and through working in Charlotte and my internships and working at many, many, many sporting events that you know you can't put too much pressure on yourself or else it's no longer fun. If you always put pressure on yourself to be perfect, to do the best every single day, like you're not going to have fun broadcasting. We're all humans and we all make mistakes. We all mess up words. We're tongue tied some days. Some days, you know, we might not say the right thing or we might not look our best on camera. And that's fine because if you constantly put pressure on yourself, you're going to burn yourself out so fast in this industry. And I have found that out even 
through three years of broadcasting. I'm a perfectionist. I always want to be perfect, but I've learned over the years, don't let that pressure that you feel being on live TV or being on camera overcome your joy for what you are actually doing. So for me, it's all about just taking my inner love for broadcasting and exuding that on camera. And I think the more I do that, the less I mess up and the less pressure I feel. With those little mess ups, how do you deal with those? Like if you mess up, what do you do right away? I mean, it is such a quick adjustment. If you mess up, you cannot think about it. The first thing that I do if I mess up is instantly erase it from my mind. I do not even think about it when I continue the report, when I continue the show, whatever it might be. It's like out of my mind and I just keep going because if you let it affect you, you're going to continue to mess up. And I've done this before where I've messed up and then I was like so mad at myself for messing up and I didn't stop thinking about how I messed up. So I just continued to mess up because I was thinking about it. You have to let it leave your head instantly, forget about it and keep going and try to make the rest of the broadcast as good as you can possibly make it. So there are a lot of good journalism schools across the country. You got Syracuse, you got the University of Indiana, and you have Missouri. What made you choose the University of South Carolina over those colleges? So it was a hard choice for me. I didn't apply to Syracuse. I didn't apply to Mizzou. I didn't apply to Florida, but I did apply to Indiana. And then of course, South Carolina. And my parents are Indiana graduates. I have grown up loving the Hoosiers. They have been my all-time favorite team for years. And I thought I was going to go there my whole entire life. But then I decided to keep an open mind and look at South Carolina. So when I went to South Carolina, I just felt like I had a great connection with a lot of the professors. I felt like South Carolina gave me an opportunity to start my broadcasting career at the school my freshman year. And that's something that a lot of schools don't allow you to do if you're a broadcast major. They make you work your way up in the system and seniority takes precedence over everything else, which, you know, I get to a certain extent, but I also had worked for years prior to college and I didn't want to get to school and then stop broadcasting and wait until my junior year to continue. So South Carolina is very great about letting their freshmen have on-camera opportunities. If you work hard for them, you're going to get them regardless of your age. So that is something I loved about USC. Also, of course, the professors I told you were amazing. I really connected with the campus outside of just broadcasting. I felt at home in Columbia. I felt at home on USC's campus. And I told you this the other day. I have talked to so many professors. I've talked to so many professionals in the industry and they have all told me the same, same thing. They said, Kendall, you know, you might be going to South Carolina and it might not be ranked up there with Indiana or Syracuse in terms of its broadcasting school, though South Carolina still has an amazing school that I'm super grateful for. But while it might not be up there in rankings, when push comes to shove, it's about your talent. And I told you this, Abby, if you have someone who is from Syracuse, the number one broadcast school in the nation, but they can't, you know, do a stand-up or they struggle being on camera and you have someone from USC who might be considered, you know, less of a broadcast school, if you will, than Syracuse, but they are fantastic. The person who you are going to interview with, the person who's going to initially give you a job is going to pick the person who has the most talent, regardless of where you went to school. So for me, it's not about the rankings. I don't get involved in the hype. I just got involved in the school that I felt like was going to set me up the best for success in the future. So you do the SGTV. How else are you involved in the school's broadcast program? So SGTV takes up so much time. I always say it's like 
a full-time job because when I'm not doing schoolwork, I'm always doing something for SGTV, whether it's anchoring a show or making a package or going to a game to cover it. I'm always doing something for SGTV, which is amazing. Now, through the school, they have amazing opportunities with classes. So SGTV is not really involved with the journalism school. It's an independently run student television program. But um, the school itself, South Carolina, we have some amazing courses that you can take that help you so much with SGTV. So they really complement each other, which is awesome. At the school, I take a lot of sports concentrated courses. That's why I'm getting a sports concentration for my degree. So yeah, that's, that's something else that I love to do is just take awesome some elective classes that USC offers because SGTV does take up so much time. I feel like I'm always doing that. And then I'm coming back to Charlotte every so often as well to do my internship here and cover sporting events in Charlotte. What is your favorite event that you've gotten to cover through your career? That is such a great, great question. Like I said earlier, I have had the blessing of getting to cover so many amazing events. But if I had to pick one, I would pick the 2019 Belk Bowl on New Year's Eve this past year. That was a very, very special game for me because it was my first ever bowl game. And my boss, who always came with me to events, was not there for that. So I was like flying solo. I was on my own. I was on the sidelines at a bowl game between Virginia Tech and Kentucky. And it was just such a cool experience. I was really proud of myself as a freshman in college having the opportunity to cover the 2019 Belk Bowl. So I would say that was really special. Another one that was very special was the 2019 Belk College kickoff between South Carolina and North Carolina. And I loved that game because obviously I'm a student at the University of South Carolina and that was their first game of the 2019 season. So that was my first game watching USC as a student, but I was also covering the game and on the sidelines for the game. And then they were playing North Carolina and Sam Howell was making his first start for the Tar Heels. And Sam and I are good friends. We grew up in high school together. He went to Sun Valley. Obviously, you and I both go to Weddington and Sun Valley and Weddington are rivals. So Sam and I know each other. And after the game, even though South Carolina lost, I was super happy that I had the opportunity to cover that game because it was my first power five football game that I ever covered. And then I also got to see Sam and give him a hug and say, you know, great job. And it was just so cool to see someone from my hometown who I'm friends with, who's such a great, humble kid, be successful, regardless of whether he was on South Carolina or not. So that was another awesome moment because Sam and I were both in our home city of Charlotte and seeing him do so well. And then me having the opportunity to cover my first power five game. It was, it was a really, really cool day. If I remember, that Virginia Tech and Kentucky game came down, came down to, like, the very last minute, didn't it? It did. It came down to the wire, and Kentucky scored a last-second touchdown. And it was crazy, obviously, being an Indiana fan. Uh, my parents were like, you know, we do not want Kentucky to win. But that <laughs> just goes to show you, like, you can't go in with any bias. And I was sitting there, like, jaw completely dropped down because it was such a cool ending to that game. So I didn't care that Kentucky won. I mean – being an Indiana fan, people probably thought that I cared, but I didn't because again, you leave that bias at the door and professionalism comes first. You mentioned that we, that you went to the high school that I'm currently attending and we also did theater together. Mm -hmm. What do you, how does theater help you in broadcast journalism? Because theater's a lot of public speaking. How do you take that to your professional 
job. Man, theater is so great. I want to shout out Miss Maria Moore, our theater teacher. She did so much for me for my broadcasting career and she doesn't even know it. Like I will always advocate for theater because I think it is so, so great for broadcasters. So I loved getting to speak to people. And I think in a sense, you know, broadcasting is a little bit of acting. Like you might be having a really, really bad day, but I'm not going to get on the camera and be like, you know, Hey, this is Kendall Smith and I'm having a horrible day. Like you're going to get on camera and you're going to say, Welcome back to williams Bryce Stadium. I'm Kendall Smith and like super upbeat, super, super happy, regardless of what is going on outside of work. So I love theater for that reason. It really taught me to kind of switch my perspective and really exude maybe a different feeling that I'm actually feeling inside, which helps so, so much with broadcasting. And then also another little trick that I learned in theater, and I still do this before I go on camera every single time is, I don't know if you remember, but when Miss Moore made us do our voice projections before we had our performances and she would make us say the big black bug bled blue black blood and that that was so hard for me to say at first when we began theater now I say it every single time before I go on camera because it helps me enunciate my words it helps me kind of get those tongue twisters out so that's another awesome thing I learned from theater I remember those exercises. There was one about New York. There were one about a wagon. It was, they were really good. They were great. Um, so another thing journalists and people will tell me is that writing helps you in broadcasting and without being a writer, you can't be a broadcaster and vice versa. How do you think writing has helped you with us? Oh my gosh. You cannot be a one-trick pony anymore when it comes to broadcasting. That is why so many job titles are called MMJs, multimedia journalists, because you have to be able to edit, you have to be able to broadcast, you have to be able to write, you have to be able to do so, so many things. So knowing how to write is absolutely crucial if you want to be a broadcaster. And for me, I have to write like 80% of my scripts for SGTV and for my internship in Charlotte. So I have to know how to write because essentially my job in broadcasting relies on my ability to write. If I can't write well, I'm not going to be able to broadcast well. And if I'm not writing for broadcasts and say I'm writing a copy or I'm writing for a newspaper or I've learned how to write press releases, like those are just as important too because journalism all comes together. Journalism is called journalism for a reason because it is an umbrella and underneath it are so many different categories like writing, broadcasting, PR. So they all come together under that umbrella and they all work together. And when they work together, the product is 10 times better than it would be if you just knew how to broadcast or if you just knew how to write. So being a jack of all trades at this point in the journalism world is essential. So you mentioned your family earlier, and your older brother plays baseball at Winthrop. Yes. Have you ever gotten to cover him during a game? So I have had the opportunity to cover my brother, and I forgot to mention this when I was talking about some of my favorite events that I have ever covered. I covered my brother last March when I was a senior in high school. Winthrop played at BB&T Ballpark, which has now newly been named Truist Field, and it is home of the Charlotte Knights. And they were playing in the Collegiate Woodbat Series against Davidson. And I had the opportunity to cover that game for my internship here in Charlotte. And that was an amazing, 
experience. That was so wonderful because seeing my brother down there on the field and getting to go down there before the game and after the game and see him in the dugout and see him interacting with his teammates the way he did, like it truly warmed my heart. Like for me, it wasn't about the broadcasting. It was about seeing my brother and being so proud of him and so proud of what he's accomplished. I always will look up to my brother. He's one of my biggest role models. He's so humble. He is so kind. He's so talented. He's so smart. And just the ability for us to both be down there at the same time doing what we love was such a blessing. And I will never forget that experience. I hope that I'm able to cover him at least one more time before he graduates from Winthrop. But even if I don't get that chance, I won't regret anything because I did have the chance to cover a game that he played in at BB&T Ballpark. And it was one of the most special moments to date in my broadcasting career. So when you cover your brother, you already have that relationship with him. What is it like trying to develop the relationship with the players that you haven't covered before or rarely cover? So I am very thankful that a lot of the players I have talked to and covered are very, very nice and they know how to speak to media and they're just, they're good people. And I'm thankful for that. And I think that sometimes you don't even have the opportunity to develop a real relationship with some players because it's just like a quick, like, Hey, here's a question or, Hey, you're in a press conference, but I'm not really going to get to talk to you prior to. So you have no idea who I am. So if you don't have that opportunity to develop a relationship and Oftentimes I don't with a lot of the players I talk to unless I've interviewed them on multiple occasions. But if you don't have that opportunity, it's all about how you present yourself when you talk to the players. You just want to be respectful of them. You're both there trying to do a job. And I think that if that is mutually understood, the outcome is going to go great. Did you have a good relationship with the baseball players at Weddington High School through the years you got to cover them? Oh my gosh. They are like brothers to me. They're like a whole other set of brothers to me. I love each and every one of them so, 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 so much. I had a great relationship with them. Again, I was like their sister. I was like another teammate to them. I threw out the first pitch on senior night. I got to walk on senior night. They always gave me gifts. They were so sweet to me, wrote me cards. Like I had the best relationship with them and still do. Like I would go hang out with them, go get ice cream with them after games. Like they truly took me in as one of their own. And that is a memory from high school. I will never forget is announcing for Weddington high school. I also had a great relationship with the coaches, coach Poole, coach Hernai, and then coach Capone. He was there. And then coach Smith was there my last year. They were all nothing short of fantastic to me. So I couldn't be more grateful for the Weddington High School baseball program. That truly got me started in this career. And I will forever and always be in debt to that program for what it allowed me to do. So a couple of players from your graduating class have actually gone on and played in college. What's it like seeing them succeed at another level? Oh, it's amazing. It's beyond what words can describe. I love watching the boys who I announced for succeed. They are all so talented and so uniquely special and getting to see them do so well at the college level is just heartwarming. Cooper McKeon this year had an incredible year. And to me, that was so fun to watch. He has an amazing family. His mom and dad are literally the best and having the chance to see him do so well, just like it gave me this feeling that's really indescribable because you want to see those boys succeed. You want to see them do so, so well, because not only are they great on the field, but they're even better off the field and they deserve every ounce of success that comes their way. So your favorite game 
to your favorite sport to cover is baseball. Is it different covering baseball and football? Like how do you how is that different? Very, very different covering baseball and football. And same thing with basketball. So football, it is very hectic. You are on the sidelines and you are just zooming around from the end of one end zone to the other. And you are just constantly doing something like it's a frenzy, quite honestly, but I love it so much because if it's a night game, you're under the lights. It's just, it's so cool. And football is just, I think, the epitome of awesome for a sports broadcaster because it is that really neat environment. Now, baseball is a little bit more relaxed. You have the opportunity to kind of do what you want a little bit more. It's a slower paced game. So it's a little easier to keep up with. Sometimes football, you blink and you know, they're already three and out and you're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even see two of those plays, but you just have to keep rolling. In baseball, you often are able to kind of digest the whole game and sit back and take it for what it is and then kind of analyze it through your mind. Football, it's not like that at all. Basketball is really cool because you are right there in the thick of things. I am always right there courtside. I can hear Frank Martin or Don Staley at South Carolina yelling, screaming, talking, whatever they're doing. I can see all the players, their facial expressions when they pump their fist after they nail a three. Like I love basketball because you are so in the moment. You are so involved in everything that you really can't miss like a beat because you are constantly like right there in the action. So we, before I was the sports reporter for the Wedding to Witness, you were the sports reporter. And I remember I got to sit in the booth for football games and get to sit, like be in the action and sit there. And it was unbelievable. And I'll never forget when we went to the state championship game at Carter Finley Stadium at NC State, sitting in the press box with so many professionals was a feeling I'll never forget. Do you remember your first time sitting in a press box? Oh, goodness. So I believe the first time that I sat in a press box was at a UNC Charlotte football game. And I'm not like 100% positive on that, but I'm about 90% sure. And I remember going into it like not very scared for some reason. I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's, it's going to be great. It's no problem. Then I get in there and like, I am one of maybe three girls in the entire press box where there are like 25, 30 guys. And I was like, wow. Not to mention I was 17 years old. So I was super young. I was a junior in high school. And that's when I started to feel intimidated. So I do remember not going in nervous, but then getting this overwhelming feeling of intimidation. And then throughout the game, that kind of calmed down. And I regained my sense of confidence going out and doing the post-game report on the field. But initially, I do remember being very intimidated because there weren't a lot of females there. And it was a new environment. And I was just like kind of shocked. It wasn't what I was expecting. But ever since, you know, Charlotte has been amazing to me and I love covering their football team. Will Healy, their head coach is fantastic and they are on the rise 100%. So going back to Charlotte now is like a treat for me. I enjoy it so much. You talk about some of the advice you've received from Miss Moore and things like that. What's the best advice you would say you've received from somebody? So I will always say this, the best piece of broadcasting advice that I have ever received is to just simply be yourself there's already an Aaron Andrews and there's already a Sage Steel and there's already a Carissa Thompson out there, but there's not a Kendall Smith and there's not an Abby Halpin. Like you have to be who you are and you have to totally run with it. Don't be apologetic for who you are. Just absolutely go for it and be yourself. And you are absolutely going to 
succeed because you have to have that confidence to be yourself. And if you have the confidence, then you're going to have the ability to rock it in whatever you do. So just being Kendall Smith and staying true to who I am is the best piece of advice I've ever received. And ever since I received that advice, I've tried to do that and stay true to who I am and not mimic other people too much because as great as they are and as, you know, amazing on the field and in the studio as they are, they already exist in the broadcasting world, but Kendall Smith doesn't and neither does Abby. So I've seen on your Instagram, you've gotten to interview Dabo Sweeney and you've gotten to interview Tim Tebow. Have there been any people where you've been like completely starstruck by, and if so, who, and when that feeling like takes to you, how do you calm your nerves down? I try not to get too starstruck by anybody. When I got to be in the dugout with Tim Tebow, I was pretty taken back and getting to see Dabo Sweeney was awesome. At that ACC media day, I ran into so many coaches and players and I was like, oh my gosh. Like I remember seeing Mac Brown and I was just so, so excited to be in Mac Brown's press conference and see him. But I feel like I never get too starstruck with anybody. Now, I haven't had the opportunity to interview someone like Tom Brady like yet. You know, hopefully one day yeah. you get that opportunity. But if I were to run into someone like him, I would definitely, definitely be starstruck. And that is not a knock on anybody else. I just feel like, you know, seeing Dabo and seeing Mac inside, I was very excited. But like on the outside, you just have to keep it chill because you want to be professional again. Yes. So you and I also both started podcasts during this quarantine. You're doing, you have the cheap seats, pardon, the cheap seats podcast with Cade Crenshaw. Is that correct? Cade Crenshaw. Correct. You guys seem to have such a great partnership and such a great chemistry. How do you maintain that through every episode and how have you been coming up with ideas because we haven't had any sports? So Cade is a good friend of mine. He's very, very talented. And we just have a great friendship. Like Cade and I didn't make this podcast and meet each other as soon as we made it. We had known each other for months prior to the podcast. And before the idea was even brought up, we were already friends. So we had that initial friendship established. And because of that friendship, we have no problem bantering with each other while we're recording. We have no problem talking to each other, sharing our opinions. So I feel like that's why we have a strong relationship and a strong partnership. And thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. Um, but secondly, in terms of coming up with ideas for our podcast, it has been very hard because sports are so minimal right now. But we just have to be creative. And you'll find this next year, you're going to be the editor-in-chief of the yearbook. So congratulations for that. Congrats. And I was the editor-in-chief a couple of years ago. And I found through that, you know, creativity is key. And the same thing applies for Cade and I's podcast. So we have to come up with ideas like sports superlatives and best sports movies and what we would do in quarantine. And we have to find people to interview. That has been another major thing is interviewing people. 
because so many people love to listen to interviews. So I think that's been a really good thing for our podcast, but it's all about the creativity and just thinking outside of the box. Just because we don't have sports doesn't mean we can't talk about sports. And that's what we found. So we try to keep it fun. We try to keep it lighthearted. We don't want to speculate too much on what's going to happen in terms of college football and the NFL and the MLB. We'll talk about it, but that's already been talked about all of the time on ESPN. So if we come up with new ideas like the sports superlatives, for example, we feel like that's something different and it's something that hasn't been done very much during the quarantine. I remember listening to your sports movies podcast and I think one before and him saying he didn't like the Sandlot. That oh, blew my it's mind. Right. It's not right. I will call out Cade Crenshaw right here, right now. It's not right that Cade doesn't like the Sandlot and it's not right that Cade doesn't like the Olympics. And I'm I will give him now. heck for that for the rest of time. Don't worry, Abby. I agree with you 100%. Good. So what has been the best? Oh, I said my bad. Uh, What have you been doing during quarantine besides your podcast? You mentioned an internship earlier, but you also got a new one. Yes. So I have my Charlotte internship that I have had for three years and I do work for them throughout the quarantine. I also work at Seacrest Studios as a production intern in Charlotte, North Carolina. It is at Levine Children's Hospital. So I do a TV radio show uh, two times a week. So I go in there and I broadcast to the kids at Levine Children's Hospital. And that has been such an amazing opportunity. I just got back from a full day doing that. It was nine to five today. So I was there all day long and that was amazing. I did a few shows for the kids. And then I also have been doing my podcast. This summer, I'm taking two summer classes through USC. So I've got that going on. And then I also waitress right now. And I learned this from Sage Steele, actually. She said every single person who wants to be a broadcaster should try waitressing because it will help you in broadcasting. And I have already found that out so much through just a month of waitressing. So I also do that on the side as well to make a little extra cash. So lots of work, lots of educational schoolwork business going on. And then I also try to find a little time to relax and enjoy myself. Have you binge watched any shows or learned to cook anything new? I have learned to cook. I was a horrible cook before quarantine started. And then I got to cooking during the quarantine. My brother and I both did. And our cooking skills have gone up astronomically. Like it has been incredible to see the difference between where we started and where we are finishing this quarantine. So that's super exciting. I haven't binge watched anything. I'm not a huge binge watcher because I get very antsy and I like to move around, but I have been watching Dance Moms. I have been watching obviously The Last Dance with Michael Jordan I watched. And then I also am a big fan of YouTube. So I'll watch a lot of YouTube and I will also watch TikTok all of the time. So big TikTok fan. I love to learn the dances. I cheered and I figure skated all throughout my life. So learning the dances kind of keeps my choreography based mind sharp. That last dance documentary, did you enjoy it as much as everybody else did? Because it was probably one of my favorite sports documentaries I've ever gotten to see. I really liked it. As someone who wasn't around during the Jordan era, it really opened my eyes to just how impactful Michael Jordan was. And I already knew he was fantastic. Like that wasn't even a, there wasn't a doubt in my mind about that, but I really found through this documentary, like how special MJ actually 
was. So I really liked it because it brought me back to a time that I wasn't alive for. And it really took me into the reality of what was Michael Jordan and how special he was. Yes. So last question, where can our listeners find you on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, wherever you are? Absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is the same for both. Both. It is at Kindle underscore underscore Smith with two H's. So there are a lot of Kindle Smiths in the world. My goal one day is to finally have just Kendall Smith, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. So it's at Kindle underscore underscore Smith with two H's. I have a website, which is linked in my bio on my Instagram. You can also check me out on the Cheap Seats podcast, like you mentioned we are on the TuneIn app, the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And then I have a YouTube channel with some of my reels as well if you would like to see any of my broadcasting work. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I have looked up to you for the past couple years in broadcasting. It just means so much that you took time out of your very, very busy schedule to sit down and let me chat with you. Oh, well, Abby, you are doing great. And I'm super proud of you and just keep up the hard work because you have a passion for this career and you have a passion for sports that I think is going to take you very, very far. And I want to thank you for having me on your podcast today. It has been so fun. So thank you so, so much. It's been great. And I know you're only going up from here. So congratulations on what you've already achieved. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the H2 Sports Podcast. I would like to say once again that I'm so, so grateful and thankful that Kendall took time to sit down with me and answer my questions. She gave such a great interview. If you want to check us out on our social medias or have any ideas for a future podcast, because I'm kind of stuck and don't really know what to do, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at H2 Sports Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Abby M. Halpin. And you can follow my dad on Instagram and Twitter at jhelpin37. Thanks, guys. See you next week.